Hey dreamers, this is your host Barry Miracle. Welcome to Wake Up Into Your Dream. It's time to wake up out of the nightmares of normality and wake up into God's divinely designed dream for your life. Jump on this podcast today and let's discover God's awesomeness waiting for you. Hey everybody and welcome back to Wake Up Into Your Dream. I'm your dream coach, Barry Miracle, and we have been building line upon line, and now we're on episode 52. We are a full year of podcasts that I've been coming to you all, and we are on part seven of the series on the prophetic, and I've been hearing some reports back that this has been helpful. And somebody, you know, stopped me yesterday uh, <laughs> out in the public and they said that was the best episode so far, uh, the one on perceiving. Now, I want to move forward, and um, but let's just recap just a little bit because I do, my endeavor is on these different topics is to build line upon line, precept upon precept, you know, start with the foundation and then build up from there. And so uh, I'm going to go over perceiving a little bit, but our topic today is on receiving. So it, what is important is why I had to do last week first on perceiving is that we must have a proper grid. You know, Matrix 4 is coming out. I don't know if anybody's as excited about that as me. Uh, I, I think there are. But we are, uh, in, in my household, we're pretty excited. Uh, a few of my friends are pretty excited because the, the Matrix 1 is the best one, I think, so far. Uh, and because it was basically preaching the gospel, it was how do you operate in two different realms at the same time. And when the first movie came out, I went to see it at theaters. And I had uh, a, you know, a couple of people sitting beside me and not necessarily at that time serving the Lord with all their hearts. So I'll just put it that way. <laughs> uh, I think there were a couple of pre-Christians, like we like to call them. But uh, I just turned to them and I said, that is the best preaching I have I've heard in a long time when I came out and uh, I just loved it because it had a lot of prophetic elements. But, it, you know, what is the matrix that we are operating in? What is the grid? What is the filter? How are we perceiving? How are we built up? our mind with the word of God? How, we, how have we, you know, processed our life through the grid of the word of God? How are we developing an ability to perceive accurately? Really important. So when you, because when you're perceiving your perceptions, your, your grid is able, and then you're able to receive properly because it's coming through the filter of the word of God into your soul because the battleground is not the spiritual realm, the spiritual realm that's already taken care of. Well, the enemy's in the spiritual, it, but he's defeated. What, what we're trying to do is gain territory and, and mind space in the, the, the souls of man. 
because 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So the battleground is the mind. And so have you been renewing your mind? And you can renew your mind by listening to these podcasts, but getting into your word. I mean, reading your word of the word of God out loud is helpful, but getting underneath an anointed preach, getting underneath and clearing your hearing and allowing your your gray matter to be regrooved, your your synapses to be re reconnected to the purposes of God, the promises of God, the word of God. And creating a great grid for you and a great filter for you. So this is what we're dealing with. So, you know, when you when you can perceive properly, then you can receive maximally. When you can perceive properly, you can receive maximum potential and fulfill maximum purpose and live out the dream of God for your life. Because it's you know, we must be living. While we're living, let's live, not just survive. We're, when, while we are walking around on this earth, let's live our lives and enjoy our lives, not just survive the process. So I want to talk about a few things today. And I want to, I'm just, I want to talk about hearing. So in the, in the receiving, I want to talk about the Shema. So you could call this receiving or you could call this Shema. And Shema is, and, and I'm going to, you know, share a story in a few minutes about what Shema is. And, and it is the full perception, the full receiving. It's the ability to hear. It's the ability to see. It's the ability to perceive. It's the ability to receive, to give us an opportunity, uh, opportunity to achieve what God is calling us to do. So in in receiving or the Shema, uh, I have a story that I want to share before I even get into, you know, breaking down uh, Shema or breaking down receiving. I didn't call it receiving because, um, I'm sorry, I didn't call it Shema as the title because a lot of people would have no ideas of what Shema. What is that a, a stuffed animal or what is Shema? And uh, so I put receiving, but it, it, it's 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 so deep. Shema is is the most important prayer uh, that an Israelite or a Jewish person can pray, and they must pray it every day. And I, I know that they do it uh, oftentimes. They they pray throughout the day the Shema. And uh, they have the Shema written out and and placed on the right-hand side of their doorways into their homes on a 45-degree angle. Um, I think it's from right to left, I, I believe. Um, and then they would, they would actually kiss their hands, and then they would, they would place it on the Shema as they walk through the doorway. It is, Shema is the... Uh, the top of what I believe being a prophetic person is, but it is, it's the, it's the ability of to receive uh, the communication from so many different uh, resources from, from God 
to angels, to humans, and, and just putting you in a place and an ability. And when you get the revelation of it, uh, it, it is outstanding. And most people make it all about the Shema. They make it all about hearing, in, in which it, it, it is vastly about hearing, the Shema is, or, or what I'm saying, receiving, the ability to receive. But it, it even, it even, you know, if we could even back up, it has a lot to do with perceiving. So I could have actually maybe even put Shema in uh, right at the before this one, but it, it's fine where it is. Uh, so I'm gonna just tell a story, and, and I and I hit on this a while ago when I actually did on Revelation, I believe, uh, at the beginning of the of the year, uh, actually about 48 or so uh, episodes ago. But I want to end this year um, very strongly with this one of the most important, like the greatest revelation I ever received uh, was, from God was the revelation of why he wanted, why he wanted to be known as, as Savior. That's the greatest. But I'll tell you, this revelation about Shema is nigh unto uh, that revelation that I received from him. The manifestation of the presence of God in the midst of it, uh, and, I, and I'll mention this again probably, but began to eclipse, you know, everything, every negative thing that was happening in my life when I began to understand when, when God began to reveal this great, great gift that he gave me, it was in the midst of a, a tremendous uh, manifestation of the tangible presence of, a, of our holy God. Uh, so anyway, uh, let, me, let me really begin to unveil this through a story. And this is how it happened. So it was March 25th, 1999, my grandfather had just passed away. And um, I was driving down the highway on my way to give my yuppie Cadillac to my longtime uh, spiritual father, Tony Slay. And I say yuppie Cadillac because it was a um, uh, uh, Chevy Blazer. And it was fully loaded. It, it had uh, leather guts, power everything. Uh, and it was, you know, it was beautiful. I, I loved it. It was uh, some, one of the vehicles I bought brand new. Um, but I was on the way to give this to my spiritual father. Now, how did, why is that important? Well, let me just get into this story. So my grandfather, and I just mentioned a minute ago, uh, who was a spiritual father in my, in, and my very best friend, uh, passed away earlier that year on February 8th. And at his funeral, I believe the Lord told me that I was supposed to sow my vehicle into Tony Slay's life. So after saying, get thee behind me, Satan, <laughs> uh, just kidding. But the fact is that this Chevy Blazer was was a pretty big seed to sow. I, I bought it brand new and it was, it was my baby. And I, and I really enjoyed it. Anyways, to make it, uh, make sure I was hearing correctly, I kind of made a deal with the Lord. And I said, if Tony stays until after midnight, I will give him my truck. Now that, um, 
not that I was trying to get out of giving it to him. I just wanted to try to <laughs> be a good steward and make sure I was hearing properly. Not that we put fleeces before the Lord. We're, I'm more mature than that now. And maybe, you know, back then I was I was still learning, but um, I'm not saying that we necessarily have to put fleeces out. But I, you know, as a, it wouldn't hurt to hear another, you know, way that God was sharing with me. And, and I don't think he's, you know, beyond sharing two or three different witnesses with you to, you know, share with you when at significant moments on, you know, am I hearing right? Um, so I, I knew that, back to the story. So I knew that Tony was in a bit of a hurry to get um, back to his schedule. He was on a tight schedule. He was, you know, had a whole lot of different things. He's a doctor uh, of um, theology and he, he has a school of ministry. He traveled, he was traveling extensively at these times. And I knew if God could rearrange his schedule, then maybe this was the right thing to do. So, um, so anyway, uh, I mentioned this to my wife, Tammy, and she agreed with me. So we both sat and watched as, as seven o'clock turned to eight o'clock. And eight o'clock turned to nine o'clock. Tony was supposed to be leaving by the latest 9 p.m. So he had like a 12 hour drive. So he wouldn't be home till like, you know, I think about, well, 12 hours from nine to nine, nine in the morning the next day. Here it is, 9 p.m. He's still here. Nine turns to 10 and, and then 11. Then he finally gets up for the door at 11.55. I couldn't believe my eyes. So I, I put it out to the Lord. I said, Lord, if he uh, leaves uh, before midnight, I will give him this truck. So I knew that he wanted to leave. So I knew that God had to rearrange everything. <laughs> and and so it's 11.55 and he finally goes for the door and I couldn't believe my eyes. He was literally leaving my Uncle John's house at 12. Oh, one. <laughs> and I just turned to Tammy and I, and I said, I guess we're sewing the truck. I want to make sure, cause I, I drove the, I, it was probably about a, a year or two years old. So I, you know, any, you know, I made sure that I got a new paint job just to, you know, clean it up completely of any, you know, chips or anything. And, and I, and I, I wanted to make sure that this, this vehicle was top notch. So I'm driving it down to Tennessee about a month later. Um, my grandfather died in February and, and, and I was driving down to deliver this truck to Tony a, a month later, approximately. So interestingly, uh, interestingly enough, um, I would find out that Tony was believing uh, that, that, well, he thought he heard from the Lord that somebody was going to give him a Cadillac. Well, it wasn't exactly a Cadillac, and, and he didn't even know this till years later when we were talking about it. And, and I always called that Blazer my yuppie Cadillac, because that's what the, they called him back then, and uh, these four, four-wheel four drive uh, SUV vehicles, and because it was fully loaded. And so this was his uh, Cadillac. My yuppie Cadillac became his Cadillac that you know, God told him that somebody was going to sew into him. So anyway, he, he uh, I would sew it into his life and he would drive this gift produced by hearing for 500 miles, 500,000 miles, sorry, 
500,000 miles, uh, not kilometers, miles before sewing it into somebody else's life and they drove it for a, a, a good season as well. I was able to meet a need and fulfill a dream because I heard and obeyed. I was being set up for years later when Tammy and I would receive a truck and a van in one year. The last, I think, about five vehicles that I've received, I did not pay for one of them. So this is my segue into one of the most powerful revelations I've ever received called Shema. So as I, as I said earlier, I was driving down to Tennessee to give my truck to Tony, Dr. Tony Slay. If you know him, he's a great man of God, been a spiritual father for approximately 30 years. As I drove down, I began to remember how I heard from the Lord about giving the truck. And then I began to record the revelation I received about the Shema. S-H apostrophe M-A. Matter of fact, my, uh, my fourth child's middle name is Shema because uh, she is 19 years old. And I received that revelation right around then. So I, it was, it's, it's huge. So I began to recall how I received this life-changing revelation. It was in the fall of 1998, so, you know, but a year and a half previous. And I was on my way to visit a loved one in jail. And I don't want to say uh, who it was, but it's a significant loved one um, in, in, our, in my life. And... I don't want to bring any dishonor to my family. So I'm, I'm not going to really tell you who I, I'm. You already know it's a family member. But um, I, I know that through the transparency of, of this, that you will receive the gravity of the revelation. Uh, so anyway, I'm, 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 I'm sitting in the visitor's area. And I watch this person come into that area and he's clothed, clothed in the prison outfit. And I look and I didn't see a criminal rejected by society for poor choices that were made. Rather, I saw this little child who really needed a hug from his dad, his spiritual father. So let me just be clear. It wasn't one of my children. It was, it was that references to um, a, this person needing a hug from their spiritual father, their father in heaven. And I was able to hold it all together and be the strong person that I always have been. God has given me a grace to be strong under extreme pressure. And I got out to my truck and I began to drive away. And as I began to drive away, I began to just bawl and sob and feeling sorry. And I felt empathy for this person. And I began to cry out to God. And I began to say to him, is it not enough? You know, the things that I've gone through and now I have to deal with this situation. And... Um, you know, I just begin to just, you know, I'm just crying, I'm burying my soul. And I just said, is it not bad enough that I was, you know, my, my, um, my parents broke up when I was five or four, I think it was four actually. And, and then later I would be, uh, you know, ab abused by, um, a woman 
as a child, and I I began to just lay it all bare, uh, bare before the Lord. And then when suddenly he came, he came, the Lord came with such majesty. The Lord, the presence of the Lord came and everything began to change. I, it, was, it was one of the lowest moments when the master of all began to unveil a feast that he had been preparing me for, knowing that I was going to go through this horrible and very vulnerable valley. So right there in my truck, God himself began to lay out a feast in the midst of the, of the valley of the shadow of death that I was definitely in. And his grace began to fill the truck. His grace began to meet and then overwhelm the evil of that day. What started out to be one of the worst days of my adult life up to that point began to turn into one of the most significant and most wonderful days of my entire life. God's grace is truly amazing. So God and I began to have a total open communion. I would speak to him, and I wasn't allowed to really even say this. And even in my book, you can read parts of this um, where I get, you know, vulnerable. Um, but uh, I, I was speaking to him. I'm sorry, I'm just having a, a bit of a difficult time even sharing this, but I, I think I need to. Um I began to speak to him in the Holy Spirit. I used, I would speak, I was speaking to him and, and he wouldn't let me share that for a long time, but I, I, I felt released to be able to share it. And I haven't shared that very often, but I began to speak to him in the Holy Spirit. I began to speak to him in my spiritual language and he would speak right back to me in, in English to me, because that's my language that I perceive in best. It was it was heavenly. The tears of sorrow turned into tears of joy. And so I was asking him divine questions that I didn't even know I needed to ask him in the spirit. And he was re responding to me in an intellectual language. And he was answering the very questions I didn't even know I needed to ask him. Your spiritual language, and I, I did a, a, a series on that as well, and, and the importance of, of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and receiving the spiritual gift of speaking in other tongues or in, in your spiritual language. So I, I began to quickly forget all about my troubles, and my peripheral problems became eclipsed by the majesty of that moment in his presence. And I can recall one of the questions that I began to ask him. And I said, Lord, what is up with humility? So we, I transitioned from asking him questions in, in my spiritual language and then him answering me back in the, uh, English. But, but I had a, a intellectual question or an intelligent question. I, I, I hope it was. <laughs> And I said, Lord, what's up with humility? So back then, about approximately 20 years ago, it seemed like every minister I'd hear from, it, everything was being taught on humility. Not that I don't want 
humility. But, uh, you know, to give this story some context, everybody was preaching about humility. Really important, really important tool. But it, it was being presented as the goal. And, and, and I just said, Lord God, you're my goal. I want to be humble. Yeah, I want to be humble, but, but everybody is trying to be humble. And it seems like almost for humility's sake, it seems like being humble was the end goal. Then I said, humility is not the end goal, Father God. Dad, you are the end goal. Then he replied to me in his typical fashion. <laughs> you would constantly see Jesus reply with, which was answering the question with a question. <laughs> so he says to me, do you want to know what is greater than humility? And I said, of course. I'm like, yes, yes, I do. Yes, absolutely. And he says one word. He says, shma. And I said, shma. He said, shma. And that went back and forth a couple of times. And, and then he said, shma. And then boom. He was gone. The manifestation of his glorious presence, the thick, the thick weighty presence that, that filled that cab of my truck absolutely evaporated. And I was left with this mysterious word that I had no really recollection of ever hearing before. It's like everything was happening and it was all wonderful and bam, he's gone. He's gone, and I was left with this word Shema. So let me let me just um, let you know about this word Shema. I want to give you a little bit of history and revelation of it. And, and I have about 10 minutes, and I'm hoping I can get through it because it is exhaustive. This word Shema is amazing. So for um, I begin to just seek out the definition of the word Shema. Um, and what is this word that is greater than humility? What is this word that is, you know, really the pinnacle of what the gospel would bring us into? And that's open communication. So what I began to uncover about this word Shema totally and completely changed my life. I, I you know, just before I get into the history of it and, and, and give you a, a a good definition of what I believe Shema is. And I'm not an expert. I'm just, I, I have, it's been a life goal for the last 20 years to research this out. But, and I'm going to get into that in a minute. But when I'm traveling around and speaking in different venues, churches, conferences, etc., uh, I, I often ask this question uh, that was asked of Jesus in Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And, and the, here's the question. Which is the first and foremost of all commandments? What is the first and foremost of all the commandments? And most people would begin to quote that we need to love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our spirit, and with all of our strength. And, and you know, this is the first and foremost of all commandments. And although this is true, it is only part of the first and foremost of all commandments. Yes. And I would catch so many people and a lot of people around to me now and They've heard me speak and they said, I know, I know. And I say, Shh, don't reveal this yet. <laughs> you're, you're stealing my thunder. And uh, anyway, so Jesus starts off Mark chapter 12, verse 28, and it's in the red. 
It's, it's part of his answer. And this is what Jesus says. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord, thy God, he is one. And then the master would continue with the answer that most people would quote, which is to love the Lord, thy God, with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Um, so hear, O Israel, that, that comes from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord, our God, he is one. A lot of people, uh, the the interpretation of the original Hebrew is uh, Shema, Israel, um, Adonai, Elohim, Adonai, Echud. So it's, they use the word Lord at Adonai is the roughest translation, but it's actually the true um, uh, translation is this, uh, Shema, Israel, uh, Elohe, uh, sorry, Yud He Wahe, Elohe Nu, Yud He Wahe, Echud. It is the ability for us to hear, the, the receive. But what is it to hear? It's not just, Shema is not just to hear. And so this is the rough, you know, elementary releasing of. The, the true word Shema. This, this prayer of the Shema, the, um, uh, Shema Israel, Adonai Elohim, Adonai Echud, is, is, is spoken so many times by Jewish people. And a lot of them won't even say yod Hey wah because it is the ineffable name of God. Uh, it's where we get, a lot of people put a couple of vowels in there, um, and they come up with Yahweh, and then they put a you know a Germanic um, um, text. It would be Yehovah or Jehovah, and they would put some um, some vowels in there, and they came up with those. But it is, you know, but that's the original rendering of that in the Hebrew translation. So every time I would get around a rabbi, or I'd get around a Jewish person that you know that was really spending, you know, in, in a devoted, you know, either Orthodox Jew or a uh, uh, Messianic Jew, I, I would I would ask him and ask people, what does Shema mean to you? So I came across this rabbi, and his name is John, uh, Rabbi Jonathan Kleg, Kleg, Klegler, sorry, Klegler. Uh, and I don't know if I pronounced that right, but please forgive me, Rabbi, if you're listening. <laughs> this is the, his definition of this sacred word. So here we go. Shema is usually translated as hear or listen. It is also sometimes translated as heed, as in pay heed. Shema does not mean merely the act of listening or hearing. With the ears. Shema means to listen intently. I suggest and render Shema as attend. Attend means to be present, to experience, to be present and experience, to experience, as when somebody is taking attendance and you respond with present. When our name is called attend, as in pay attention. So 
what what he is saying here, what what Rab, the rabbi Jonathan is saying here, is Shema is I am present. Shema is the is a word of paying attention. Attending is a full bodied listening. Moses instructs us, Shema, attend to the world in such a way as to perceive the interconnectedness and the interdependence of it all. Listen not merely with your ears, but attend with all of your faculties, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Attend Attend is the full-bodied listening, the your whole spirit, soul, and body listening. There's a, a whole ability of, of the open communication that is available to us. I really believe that Rabbi uh, Jonathan did a great job of illuminating that, illuminating that. And I just want to take it even, not necessarily but a bit further, but expand this thought through the new born-again believer. Shema is hearing at a maximum potential. It is the whole being open to receive communication. When Jesus Christ paid the price and and the, the whole purpose was to reestablish communication with the father. My grandfather was grew up in the the longhouse tradition of the Haudenosaunee, the people of the of the longhouse, he, uh, of the the Mohawk nation. He grew up with the great law and he knew the traditions and he he heard the the reading of the great law, the 117 uh, principles of leadership that he 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 loved it and he appreciated his culture, but he said, "Barry, my culture brought me to Jesus, and Jesus is the one that created the accessibility for me to get to get into communication with Songwayadiso, the Great Spirit, the Creator of all. Jesus paid the price and created the Shema, open communication. So my research uncovered that Shema is the open communication open communication with the creator first, then secondly, communication with the creator that allows us to have open create open uh, access and, cre- and uh, communication with creation. So here I am driving down the highway, literally and figuratively of life. Like I said earlier, it was 1999 and I'm taking my yuppie Cadillac down to my the spiritual father reminiscing about 1998. I was dealing with the deepest valley I've ever driven into and began to drive out of. I had no idea that I was just moments away from God revealing a map to a treasure hidden for me in the, in, in the midst of incredible darkness. This treasure would be found and dug out like any other treasure. It's like 20 years later, and I have uncovered at an even greater level the beauty and the splendor of open communication and the ability to receive from our God. I hope this has helped you um, understand, you know, one thing, and I'm going to get into it next week as we begin a brand new year. And I'm going to be dealing with 
the art of hearing, not just perceiving, but the art of hearing in the midst of it. And you can hear the treasures. You can hear from God at the darkest times in the darkest places. And you can have an ability to open up your eyes and see the treasures all around. So bless you guys. I hope this was helpful. Um, I hope that this was uh, gave you an ability to understand what it is to not only perceive, but receive from God. And I bless you with a revelation of Shema today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So guys, um, if you have opportunity, please make comment on your podcast carrier and uh, leave a testimony. Go to uh, www.wakeupintoyourdream.com or www.barrymiracle.ca, if that's easier to remember. And uh, give me a testimony. Let me know what you're thinking about. Let me know uh, if there's something that you want me to share on this uh, podcast about you know, the prophetic, or maybe even another topic, or, or please leave a testimony, write me an email, let me know uh, how God is changing your life and, and uh, how this podcast is being a blessing to you. So this is Barry Miracle signing off till next week. Have a great week. Thanks again for joining us today on Wake Up Into Your Dream. My great friend Tony Fitzgerald would say you have two great days in your life, the day you were born and the day you discovered why. In these podcasts, I'm hoping this is true, that you are having aha moments and great moments of getting introduced to the true you because your whole world is waiting for the authentic you to show up. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please go to www.barrymiracle.ca. You can check out my book, Wake Up Into Your Dream. You can connect. You can see where we're going to be live in the future. And uh, you can just connect with us there. But this is Barry Miracle, your dream coach, signing off for now. We'll talk to you next week.